Welcome to Dose of Support. We are an interdisciplinary show that highlights healthcare workers. We share stories and self-care in healthcare every week. I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a healthcare worker just like you. Remember, I'm not your healthcare provider. Our guests are not your healthcare provider, and we're not giving healthcare advice here. Seek out care from your own healthcare provider. This podcast, host, guests, and associated social media platforms are not representing an employer or organization. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Dosies, to our weekly huddle. A lot of longtime listeners know that my child has not slept through the night since he was born. And the problem with that is I'm about to lose my goddamn mind over it. And so this week, I'm actually really excited because on Thursday, I have a pediatric sleep consultation with a specialist. And I am hoping that they like do the baby Fitbit, do like the probes or what, like do the whole nine yards, a sleep study, all the things we, we've done sleep training. We have done like changes in food, changes in routine. Like we've done all the things you guys, I, I bought a sleep class. I've talked to a sleep consultant on the phone that charges $4,000, whatever this whole time I've been like, what are we doing wrong? Anyway, so all the stuff that a mom worries about that's swirling in my head all the time. Um, So this week, we're going to try to move forward and see if we can get some answers and maybe get some sleep. So I'm totally excited about that. And then another big thing coming up this week. So when the show airs, I will be on day one post my second Moderna COVID vaccine. And I'm so excited, you guys. There's probably going to be some stuff on social media because I'm like literally so excited that I get to be vaccinated. I am having some anxiety around my family and friends who are not those frontline workers that will have to wait for vaccination. I want to be able to be around them safely and finally see them. And I know that we're all kind of in that boat, but I am really excited that we are finally having another physician assistant represented on the show, a PA. And so I hope you stay tuned for this upcoming episode and enjoy. Welcome back to Dose of Support. She's a mom of five, a wife, and a physician assistant, and she has experience in general surgery, urology, and plastic surgery. She's the host of the podcast Fulfilled and is here to share a story of transformation. Please welcome PA, aka physician assistant, Tracy Bingaman. Am I saying that right? Yep. Oh my God, I did it. Tell us a little bit of... What piqued your interest to get into healthcare in the first place? We have some students that listen, so maybe it'll help them. Yeah, so I was in high school, and I have an older sister who is a pharmacist, and my parents were really big on job shadowing. So I was 15, 16, and we started having really serious conversations about what the future looked like for me and what I wanted to do when I grew up. And so naturally I said, oh, I'll just also be a pharmacist because my sister was in pharmacy school at the time. And I went and shadowed a pharmacist in the hospital and one in retail and absolutely hated it. (laughs) 
Oh, wow. I just didn't understand what they were doing. They were checking all these meds and I didn't, I don't know if it was just that I didn't have a great person that was really engaging me as a shadow from high school. But then my mom said, hey, I heard about physician assistant and I think that you should go and shadow them. So I shadowed my own primary care PA who took care of me when I was growing up and also a PA in the local ER. Um, both of the people that I shadowed, I went back to see as I was graduating from PA school and I got to thank them, you know, in my hometown for inspiring me years, you know, years before to go on to become a PA. So it was very cool. So as a very young person, as a teenager, you knew this is what I'm going to do after some investigation, of course, and you got an undergraduate, like a pre-PA undergraduate. Yes. So I went to a program that was three plus two. So I got my undergraduate degree in three years at DeSales University, which is just in our backyard now, and um, then went into the 24-month graduate phase. So from when I was 18 to 23, I got my graduate degree in one shot, um, which I, if you know early enough what you <laughs> want to do, for me, it was the best thing Yeah, because I knew where I was headed. And then when I was in PA school, I thought for the first year and a half of the graduate phase, almost the entire thing that I wanted to do primary care. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is obviously not what I ended up doing. That's definitely not what you ended up doing. So you finished school, got really centered in your practice, stable in your job, and then settled down and had your babies. I was just thinking, do they know what you do for a living? My kids? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My kids know. My my little kids play PA. They don't play doctor. Awesome. They play PA. What is the most challenging thing that like if we could just get rid of that, you would be a happier PA? Yeah. So I think inherently the healthcare system is bro broken and it's the, the documentation, what's being asked of providers from a network standpoint, from an insurance standpoint, all of those things grow year after year. And each time one of those things gets added to your plate, it takes away from your ability to focus on and take care of patients. No one went into healthcare because they like paperwork. <laughs> Everyone went into healthcare because they want to take care of people. And when we do more and more of the nonsense or the fluff, or the meeting, meaningful use, or this or that, and all of these things have a role and are important in their own right. But each one of those things that's added onto the plate of the providers strains the system, and it harms the patient when that happens. So all of the clerical nonsense, if I could get rid yeah. of one thing in medicine, that's what it would be. I have to agree with you. Go figure. So how many times have you heard of physician assistants being on TV? So I heard you ask other people this question, so I was prepared for it. Oh my, um, okay. There's one show that I watched regularly when it was out. It's called Royal Pains, and it's about yeah. a concierge physician in the Hamptons. Mm -hmm. And he had an awesome PA. Her name was Divya. And then she went back to medical school. Like at the end of the series, she went back to medical school. Um, which was an interesting twist that I wasn't really expecting, but she yeah. was great. And actually, I think the show did a pretty good job of people sometimes saying, oh, 
you're just the PA. I want to see the doctor. I'm paying for the doctor. And that she was really stepping up and showing some of her awesome made up for TV skills in the show. (laughs) Yeah. Representation is so important and it's so nice to, I think it's so nice when your role is represented at least mostly correct. And so that's a really nice example. And I haven't watched that show forever. So I don't, I don't even remember that character, but you know, I often just struggle with watching healthcare shows anyway. Like I gave up on Grey's Anatomy years ago. I used to be the biggest Grey's fan before I knew anything about medicine because the drama was so good. Oh yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. The transplant surgeon is now the cardiothoracic surgeon (laughs) is now the neurosurgeon. I can't. Like it didn't make any sense. Nope. That is not what happens in real life. Nope. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. So with that, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, Tracy is going to share a story from practice as a PA. And then she's going to share her awesome self-care strategies. And let me tell you guys, like she actually is like, I pay attention to what she does because it's so good. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back from our little break. We have Tracy Bingaman with us. She is a physician assistant and she has specialized in many areas, worked in many areas of healthcare, and she's going to share a story from practice. So take it away, Tracy. Yes. So my story is sort of how life and practice met and how my life made me realize that I had to change something about my job. So Um, And that's where my story comes in. So on a Thursday morning in September last year, I was post-call. I had been up all night. I had gone to the ER. So when we take, when I took call for my urology team, it was first call from the ER, first call for all the patients at home, which is tens of thousands of people who might get hematuria or dysuria in the middle of the night and call you. And first call for about a 50 patient inpatient census. And so that had been increasing and increasing in volume. And so I think I slept from 10 p.m. to midnight. And then I went to the ER to reduce a paraphimosis in an older gentleman who was in atrial fibrillation and hemodynamically unstable, got better when I fixed his foreskin. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) And... Then I was just up, I was transferring a guy with a torsion, I was transferring in a helicopter of Fourniers from one one smaller hospital to our bigger hospital for the urologist to meet them there. So I was up all night and then it was six or seven in the morning and my two-year-old daughter came out and I was on the phone with a transfer center working on my fifth transfer of the call shift. Oh my. And it was crazy. It was a crazy, particularly crazy night, but it wasn't out of character. It had been like that kind of regularly. And so I was working a 12 hour day, 14 hours of overnight call with only two hours of sleep. And I was going to the hospital as soon as I could get a shower to see my people and to scrub for surgery. So my daughter walked out and said, mommy, can you hold me? I was on the phone. My laptop's balancing in my lap. 
And I said, honey, I can't hold you right now. And of course, I'm beyond exhausted. Right. Completely at the end of my rope. And she looks me right in the eye. And because she has four older brothers who teach her things like this, she says, mommy, you're stupid. (gasps) Oh, my God. And she meant it. Like, she was like... (laughs) She was was mad at you. Yeah. But I didn't pick her up. And I completely melted into a puddle of distress. I had to hang up with the transfer center. I was blubbering, crying. And um, my husband walked in and my five-year-old said, "Uh, I don't exactly know what happened, but I think that Rayanne called mommy stupid. And dad, I think she's overreacting a little bit. Like... (laughs) Like, like we would say about him. He's like, I think maybe mom, you should go to your bedroom. Like he was like, <laughs> I was like, please send me to timeout. Like I need a timeout. Um, and I had been talking to Dan, my husband about cutting back my hours, going part-time. I had talked to work about going part-time and they had said, no, not right now. Yeah. And so I had this, I was just crying and I, I, I said, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to go to work today. I don't, number one, I'm exhausted. Number two, I want to be able to pick up my kid in the morning before school and put her on my lap and love her and snuggle her. This job, it's not worth it. And so in that moment, when I was totally sort of melting down, I realized that I loved surgery. There is, I thrive in the OR. I love the inside of the abdomen. It is really cool. I love it. And I just wasn't willing to sacrifice my health, my sanity, or my relationship with my family at the altar of the OR. Okay. And so I just, Dan said to me that day, you have to quit. And I said, I don't have time to quit today. (laughs) (laughs) The hospital's too busy. I don't have time to quit. So I slept on it. And a couple of weeks later, I formally resigned my position. Um with no plans and no idea what came next. So harsh, but I was thinking like that is you're really lucky that you had I mean or did you not have financial stability to do that? Like I would think that that would be really scary. Some people would feel like I'm in that same situation but I I don't have an option. Yeah, um, so I've been pretty transparent about our financial journey um, on my social media. So I definitely feel comfortable sharing that we spent the first 36 months of our marriage getting completely out of debt and paying off our mortgage. Awesome. So So we, you were in a good space then. Yes. So we, and and I think you have to be, you can't quit your job if you're the sole provider. You can't quit your job if you're the primary income and you have no alternative. But we were in a situation where we had a good, healthy emergency fund. Mm-hmm. We live well below our means. So each month we have extra that, and and we could have lived off of just my husband's income. And so we looked at the numbers, we ran the budget, and we had done this stepwise. Like before I requested to go part-time, we did a monthly budget and an annual budget with my part-time income and said, yes, this works for our family. And then Dan said, you have to quit. And then later that week, I said, this is what the next six months look like if I get no job for, you know, until the spring or summer, whenever that comes. And so during COVID too, like you, 
you quit your job during COVID and found a new job during COVID. Like yes. also, also not easy. Yeah. And I think that being not afraid of rejection is so important. When I was leaving my general surgery position and looking around the network for another role, I, w- I went to a cancer symposium on a weekend. It was an all-day CME. And so I stayed till the very end. All these surgeons had spoke. I didn't know any of them. I sort of knew who they were. And they were all standing up on stage. And this was way before COVID. This was years ago. And I walked up and just said to a group of 50-something male surgeons, none of whom knew who I was. And I was a 20-something PA. They didn't know from a hole in the wall. I said, hey... <laughs> Uh, my name is Tracy Bingaman. I'm an amazing general surgery PA, but I'm looking to leave general surgery. And I'm wondering which one of you wants to hire someone for your group. And that was it. Like, that's bold. You got to do it. And four of them said no, right? So they were all like, oh, no, not me. And one of them said, hmm, yeah, actually, we really could use someone skilled in robotics and we would love to train you and for you to join our team. But that never would have happened if I didn't start the conversation with that surgeon. Yeah, advocate for yourself. I think a lot of people almost wait for the opportunity to come to them. Mm. Like in my circumstances, I feel like if I don't pull the trigger and do what I want to do or advocate for myself or whatever the case is, I actually, that's when I have regrets. You know, like if I didn't do everything that I could have done, um, that's when I have regrets. So if I was up on that stage that day and saying, hey, I'm Vanessa, I'm ready to work for you. Like if I think if I think I would have regrets if I felt the need to do something like that and Mm -hmm. didn't. And I think that for any students listening or anyone who's looking for a job, you have to do it afraid because you're never going to feel ready and you're not going to know what the answer is until you ask the question. That's so, I love that advice. I am a big dreamer. I've talked about this on the show before, but like I, I have my head in the clouds. I'm dreaming about the next thing. I'm like, I, I love imagining what things could be. I'm very idealistic and that is very like, that's good advice And I think now that the listeners know you a little bit better, know where you're coming from, they will totally resonate with some self-care strategies that you, I want to get into your practices. So lay it on me. Yes. So I am a big morning routine fan. So I have found that during seasons of life, when I felt like things weren't going my way, like I was struggling with postpartum anxiety or depression or really walking through a hard season. When I look back, those times coincide with when I wasn't being intentional about taking care of myself. And if I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't happen at all. So my typical morning routine, and this is what works for me, it's not necessarily going to be what works for the listener, but if I think everyone needs a morning routine of some kind, even if it's short and sweet. Um, Mine includes getting up before the sun, before my spouse, and before any of my kids. So I get up even before our dogs. Our dogs stay in bed, (laughs) and I, I get up and I do the same things every morning. I brush my teeth. I drink my ice water. I come to my office where I read my Bible. I write in a journal. I do a five minute meditation. 
I do some affirmations and I read one chapter of a nonfiction book that's making me smarter, better, well-informed about something that is interesting and going to be helpful to me. And I work out. So the entire thing takes me 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how long the Bible passage is and how long the chapter is. But I am up and I spend an hour of focused time on myself every day. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you will know that it is not always uninterrupted time. And probably a third of the time there is a child or children. Um, I, so is this like, are we talking like four thirty five in the morning? Like, is that what we're talking like that? Yeah, so my, my alarm goes up off at three 30 and I'm in my office before four starting my oh, routine. M G what time do you go to bed? I cannot. Like oh, oh my God. Yeah. We're in bed by nine on the regular. Oh my God. So this is past your bedtime. We're recording at night. Oh my God. <laughs> That's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That is, that's commitment. First of all, I just want to like, holy buckets, that's commitment to your, your own spiritual practice, your own, like, I I guess that that's, you're fulfilled. That's how you get fulfilled. Right. I do think that is so important. I think taking care of ourselves as providers, as people, as moms, as human beings, whatever it is, taking care of yourself makes you better suited to take care of other people. And I should say, this has not always been my practice. I haven't always been religious about it. It actually started years and years ago, maybe four years ago. I was pregnant with my four-year-old and I wanted to have a VBAC. So I had had an emergency cesarean and I wanted to have a vaginal delivery. And I was working with a doula and I was doing hypnobabies, which is super crunchy granola, like burning. Stuff. But I didn't, I was like, I don't know when I'm going to do this. I'm nursing a kid. I'm working full time. So I just decided I was going to get up half an hour early, pop in my hypno babies and just meditate in bed before I got out of bed. And then a friend recommended a book, which truly changed my life. It's called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Um, there's I many different versions. There's yes. the Miracle Morning for engineer for entrepreneurs and kids and moms. There's so many versions, but okay, super good. So it walks you through. You should do these things to start your day, and it's they have savers. So it's silence, affirmations, or activity. Oh, I don't know. It's something. <laughs> I have so many questions, so I'm going to pretend I'm a listener for a second okay. because. What happens when 3.30 rolls around and you're like, no, I, I'm so tired. Like, wh- like, do you hit snooze or like how? Oh, you of course. Are- Sometimes I snooze for sure. Um, but also I am building a business, helping other moms find fulfillment. And so from four to five is my time. And then from five to six is my time that I work on the business. Okay. But- I prioritize my time over time on the business. So if I oversleep and I don't get down to my office till 4.30, it costs the women that I'm serving and mentoring 30 minutes of time. And so I'm motivated by getting my care in so I can take care of other people. And so sometimes I'm like, those moms need you. Get your butt up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think not everyone would have 
that incentive. So it's almost like someone has to build an incentive for themselves to not hit snooze. And so, and if people have followed me for any amount of time, everyone knows I do not do mornings. I am, but, but like my routine is nighttime. Like I get tons of alone time. My baby goes to bed around seven 30. He does not stay asleep. I just want that to be like, everybody knows that too. Um, but like I have hours of alone time to finish charting, edit the podcast, watch a TV show, work out. Like I, so that's when I do, I guess, my miracle morning. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to, and the book says it does not have to be in the morning. It has to be whenever you can fit it into your life because it won't be sustainable if someone who hates mornings decides they're going to get up two hours before their alarm is set right now. It has to be gradual and it has to be sustainable. So if you're going to start doing it, start getting up 15 minutes early, start brushing your teeth and then drinking water. Don't start brushing your teeth, drinking water, reading the Bible, meditating, exercising the first day. You won't last three because you'll Mm -hmm. be like, this is crazy. Yeah. And I like, it sounds like you have a structured routine too, which I think a lot of people struggle with, right? Like they, they try to get up early, fit in a workout. Like you have a specific, like, like steps that you're following. And that has been honed over time. It sounds like you had to have enough self-awareness to identify what's working for you, what's not working for you, and then you could tailor this routine that you now have that isn't perfect all the time, but that really gives you time to feel like a full and whole human being because you're cultivating all areas of your life by being an individual still. I think a lot of moms that listen um, my own mother has said, like, you lose who you are mm-hmm. when you become a mom because you're you're all about this other person and their life and figuring out what they need. And, and so a lot of people get just, like, stuck in that cycle. And I think it is really important for you to cultivate who you are as a person and and not, like, being being a mom is part of that. But it's, you know, like, I... I have had to grapple with that as well, finding finding something that works so that I can still be who I am. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you don't stop becoming who you are because you become a mom, but motherhood is so demanding and kids are so loud and they just never stop asking <laughs> for things. And so unless you're super intentional, you can look up 18 to 20 years later and say, I don't know who I am. I haven't invested in myself. And that's not... For me, it's not the example that I want to set for my kids. Absolutely. That is that has been so important to me that I maintain balance in who I am and and that my kiddo sees that I work and that I'm successful at this or that or whatever. I want him to see that I am more than mom. I So with that, it sounds like you are leading by example with your podcast Fulfilled and you talk a lot about mentoring moms. And so can you get into what Fulfilled is about a little bit and maybe share how people could find you if they want to learn more? Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share that. So The place that I am most active is on Instagram. So 
my primary profile on Instagram is at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman and the podcast is at Fulfilled Podcast. And the Fulfilled Podcast, the target audience is moms in healthcare. And so on Fulfilled, each week it's either me or myself interviewing a guest and we talk about tips and tricks, practical strategies to go from just barely surviving as a working mom to thriving. And really to be fulfilled is to use your gifts and talents, your characters and ability to their fullest extent. And so figuring out what fuels you, what you're passionate about, what is meaningful enough for you to get you out of bed in the morning and and for you to dedicate time to. And so I'm building a community of moms who are on that journey to find their best, most fulfilled lives. And I would love if your listeners would join us. Awesome. Well, I have to say thank you so much for staying up past your bedtime (laughs) to talk to me. Like, I don't, I hope this doesn't disrupt your morning routine. I really love I really love what you what you do, what you stand for, everything that you have going. Um, and I actually follow Tracy on the socials, you guys. And you guys know how to find me too. I'm at Dose of Support on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I have my website, doseofsupport.com. You can submit your story via a survey there. You can always email me at hello at doseofsupport.com. Tracy, I, I think we should do this again. I think maybe like you might be a repeat guest. We just might need that. That sounds amazing. I would love it. Thank you so much (laughs) for having me. All right, listeners, I will talk to you again next week. You can extend a dose of support even further by visiting us on Facebook, Instagram, on our website, or by giving us a rating or review. You can always support the show monetarily on patreon.com slash dose of support. Dose of Support is written, organized, emails, edited, produced, published, all the things by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by John Schreier. I'm punching out this week, but I will be back in your ears next week for another Dose of Support.